So we are in a series uh, on the book of Proverbs titled Foolproof because Proverbs is trying to help us foolproof our lives. Proverbs categorizes uh, people uh, into three types. You're either wise, you're foolish, or you're simple. And a simple person is just somebody who hasn't made enough life decisions to be characterized as either wise or simple. And you don't, or, or foolish, and you don't want to be a fool because Proverbs tells us the wise inherit honor, but the fools get dishonor. Don't want to be a fool. So what does it mean to be wise? Bottom line is it is, means that you live in harmony with God's created order. And that means you live in harmony with more than just the laws of nature. The creator has moral laws, relational laws, laws of being. And so to be wise is to live in harmony with uh, the created order. How do we know how to do that? We know how to do that by listening to God because he has uh, revealed his will to us in his word. But we've got to humble ourselves. You cannot uh, take a step down the path of wisdom if you won't humble yourself before the Lord and listen to what he has to say and put his teachings into practice. So we want to be wise, and uh, today we're going to be looking at chapter 3. So turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to look at the first 12 verses. I will read it, and then we'll unpack it. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you'll find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your paths straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. So here we have a dad telling his boy, here's my advice on how to have the best possible life. Please listen to me and, and you will be blessed. I want the best for you. And of course, we know that uh, this is ultimately our Heavenly Father, right? Who cares about us, and he's trying to help us have the best possible life. Here we have six commands or instructions and six corresponding blessings. And I want to start with the blessings so that we're motivated to uh, listen attentively to the commands. So let's walk through the, uh, the blessings that the Father promises will come to his son if he heeds his advice. Verse 2. Length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. So the dad's saying, you're gonna, if you heed my advice, you're going to have a longer life and a higher, a better quality of life. Length of days, greater peace. Now, is this true? I mean, it, does every wise person live longer than the fool? Does every wise person have more peace than the fool? Well, when you're, uh, let me just pause and say a few things about how to properly um, 
interpret Proverbs. Uh, first off, this is true in uh, the majority of cases, right? It's a, it's a truism. So the wise usually live longer and usually have higher quality, uh, quality living. That's generally true. But God, here's the second thing, God always reserves the right to act uniquely in our lives. And we have to understand that and we have to be willing to accept that. And then finally, uh, when you consider eternity, when you factor eternity in the equation, it's absolutely true. We get to live forever with God in heaven where there's no more brokenness, sadness, right? So, yeah, uh, in Proverbs, what's, what's the synonym for, whiz, for, the, for the wise? The righteous. And so, yeah, the righteous, they live forever in heaven where it's awesome. Verse 4, it's awesome because I trust the Lord and what he tells us. All right, verse 4. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. You'll find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. God and other people are going to think highly of you. Uh, they're going to want you to succeed. You have favor in their eyes. Uh, good success, another word for the success there is reputation. Um, wow. When people want you to succeed, it means that they're more inclined to help you, right? If somebody is favorably disposed to you and you say, hey, could I have some help? Of course, I want to help you because I want you to win. And this is this is uh, will be people's bent toward you and God himself's bent toward you. Who doesn't want that? Verse six, he will make straight your paths. What's the shortest distance between two points? A straight line. You're go Here's the father. He says, son, heed my advice. You'll go farther in life. And which is easier to walk, a nice straight path or one that's really windy? Straight path. You're going to go farther in life, and it's going to be easier. Awesome. Verse 8. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. You're going to have a, a healthier life. You're going to be healthier emotionally, physically, spiritually, uh, you're gonna, your life will be characterized by refreshment and healing. Verse 10, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with, with wine. Uh, your life will be characterized by plenty. You will not think of yourself as a poor, uh, as impoverished. You'll think of yourself as rich. And verse 12, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. Now, at first, you might, at first blush, you might think, wait a second, that's a blessing? Absolutely. Here's what the dad's saying. God won't leave you alone. God won't leave you to your own devices. God will be involved in your life like a loving father. He's going to be helping you, constantly helping you become a better person. You want God in your life meddling. That's a good thing, son. All right, so are we properly motive, motivated now to listen? I mean, who doesn't want these, uh, these blessings in his life, right? Absolutely. So how do we get them? Now we go back and let's look at the six instructions of the Father. 
My son, verse 1, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Here's what he's saying. I want you to always be asking, what would my father do? What would my father think about this? And of course, as Christians, uh, you know, we say, what would Jesus do? Right? Don't forget my teachings. Don't go through life uh, in any, any part of your life without considering what God wants. How does God want me to behave in this situation? How does God want me to feel about this? How does God want me to respond and react in this situation? Always be asking, what would my father do? If you do that, length of days, years of life will be added to you and peace. Verse 3. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Steadfast love and faithfulness. Never let that forsake you. Write it on the tablet of your heart. That means uh, this should be part of your DNA. You need to make this fundamental to your character. This is cut you and you're going to bleed steadfast love and faithfulness. Bind it around your neck so that everybody can see that on you. Well, what does it mean? I think he gives a, a, a great definition in verse 27. He says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Steadfast love and faithfulness. Don't withhold Good from those to whom it is due when it is within your power to do it. Now, to whom, uh, who is due steadfast love and faithfulness from us? Well, remember the parable of the Good Samaritan, in which Jesus expands uh, it to all people. Who's your neighbor? Right? The two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And there is no one on planet Earth that we can say, you are not my neighbor. And so steadfast love and faithfulness, we owe all people. Now, obviously, um, there, there are kind of levels of responsibility. And so scripture also says, if uh, your, number, your number one, the number one person do your steadfast love and faithfulness is God, if you're married, number two, it's your spouse. If you have children, children. If you have parents, it's your parents, right? And then your family member and your church family and, and um, colleagues and, and employers. And so there is, there, there is a hierarchy, but for the Christian, it, it never, there's no one on planet Earth we can't say, you are not due my steadfast love and faithfulness. And boy, why does he have to tell us this? Because we want to cut off so often, don't we? Enough! I've loved you enough. I'm tired. I give up. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Simon Kephalos, are you here? Come up. I want to have Simon here. I'm going to need you in just a moment. So stand right close here. Here's what he's saying. So, okay, first off, what is trust? He tells us uh, what trust is. 
when he says, don't lean on your own understanding. So to trust is to lean. So I'm going to lean on you. Don't let me down, right? You know, oh, I'm so tired and I'm leaning on. So to trust the Lord is lean on him. And, and the alternative is to lean on your own understanding, right? So where are you putting your weight? Who are you relying on? Thank you, Simon. You were awesome there. You are very much like the Lord. If I had wanted to illustrate uh, my own understanding, I would use Mason. and He would have dropped me. So to trust on something is, is to depend upon it, right? And he's saying, you know, depend upon the Lord with all your heart, wholeheartedly, without, without reserve. 100% uh, trust. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways means exhaustively. Uh, there should be no part of your life in which you are not trusting on the Lord. And so I've told you this before, but I, I try to make a point of declaring my dependence upon God. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a, um, a discipline. And, and I find it, it, is, it is as important, if not more important, to declare your dependence upon God when you're feeling perfectly capable yourself. And to say, God, uh, I, I, I think I can handle this on my own, but I want to declare to you that I am dependent upon you. I know I need you. Even when right now I think I've got it, I declare my dependence upon you. Do it, so that's, to me, that's acknowledging the Lord. And when we do that, what are we doing? We're inviting God's uh, work in our lives. Why would, we, why would we not want to invite God's work, blessing in our lives in, in any area? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Is there a Something in your life that right now, Spirit of God is saying, you know what? You're not trusting me with that. You're trusting your own understanding. I can't bless that. Verse 7, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Here's what the Father's saying. Flee from what God calls sin and trust his assessment of what's good for you. Sin, so, at the root of virtually every sin we do is me, or at least the root of my sin, is me second-guessing God. God, I know you tell me that I'm supposed to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but they're taxing me too much. And so they don't know I made this. I'm not going to tell them. God, I know you tell me that I'm, going, I'm supposed to forgive 70 times 7, but I'm at the end of my forgiving rope. I'm done. I'm not going to do it. Right? God, I know that I'm not supposed to divorce my wife, but I'm tired. I'm done. I'm not going to do it your way anymore. I know what's best for me. And, and often we're not that uh, direct, right? We, we usually don't talk to God when we're being rebellious. We just, we just make our decision. But that's really what's at the heart of it. Yes, that might be, you know, yes, that might be true and good for the majority of people in most situations, but my situation is unique. I'm unique. And in this situation, it won't be to my uh, best, it's not in my best interest to obey you, God. And so he's, the father is telling his son, don't, don't second guess God. Don't ever second guess God. Trust his assessment of what is good for you and flee from what he labels sin. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth 
and with the first fruits of all your produce. Give to God in a way that honors him and reveals trust. What are first fruits? So a little agricultural reminder here. So the first fruits are, you, very often in, in harvest, you'll have kind of uh, an early harvest, and then later the, the big harvest. And so the first fruits are the things that you get kind of early in the season, but when you pick them, you are hoping for the bigger harvest, but it's not guaranteed because you could all of a sudden have a, a, a drought intervene, or you could have a hailstorm or, or a hurricane, right? And so to give God the first fruits puts you in a total position of dependence. And what is what is the um, kind of human tendency? I'm going to wait till I get it all in, and then once I've once I'm sure that my barn is full, okay, here God, here's your portion. You say no when that first harvest comes in, you hand it over to the Lord, which is a way of saying. I am completely dependent upon you to provide, provide the, biggest, the bigger harvest, right? And so that's how we give in a way that trusts God and then honor God. Uh, that just has to do with, you know, God has given you uh, a certain amount. Are you returning to him a portion that demonstrates a heart that honors him? In the Old Testament, it was quite clear because the percentages were given. In the New Testament... We're told to just uh, determine uh, before the Lord what is the right or the, the honorable and trusting gift uh, according to how God has given us. So we're given more freedom, but in a sense, we're given more responsibility, right? So son, give to God in a way that shows honor and trust. Here at Clearwater Church, uh, I, I distinctly remember the, op for the open house. We had an open house before we even had a, a, a church service. And there was about $12,000 given, and that was the seed money for the church. And we made a decision. Uh, we are giving 10% of this away. We're going to honor the Lord, and we're going to trust him from the get-go. And so we did. And, and God has just not stopped uh, oversupplying our needs from then. We have never, from that day forward, we have never had a, a, a time as a church where we have been tight financially. Now, God can do, or again, God can do what he wants to. He can, that might be a season in front of us, but it hasn't been so far. And I, I think it's God um, blessing uh, what, we, what we did. Finally, verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. Why? Son, accept God's discipline as good for you. Uh, God disciplines, we are, we're told elsewhere in Scripture, uh, that discipline is not pleasant in the moment, but if we will undergo it with a heart of faith, it always has a good uh, product. When God disciplines us, and discipline here is kind of the weight that God puts on our lives. He puts us in times of stress to strengthen us, uh, just like we build muscles. And reproof is God correcting us when we're you know, n not doing what we need to do. And God says, enough. And he'll discipline us to, to stop our sinful behavior. Don't despise it. So think about the food you don't like. Maybe it's eggplant, right? Ugh, and you want to spit it out, right? Don't despise the Lord's discipline. 
or grow weary of his reproof, but, but rather ex- uh, recognize what God's doing. He's forming you. He's helping you become more Christ-like. And James tell us, tells us, you know, consider it pure joy when you face trials of, of many different kinds because it's developing you. God uses uh, hardship, and he, he sends hardship into our lives sometimes in order to form us. So summarize, here's the dad. Dad's saying, all right, son, I want you to have the best possible life. And I'm, I'm going to summarize what I have learned in life. Here's how you get it. These six things. Son, a wise person, number one, asks always, what would my father do? Never forget your father's teaching. Number two, the wise person does not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's within their power to do it. Number three, the wise person depends upon God wholeheartedly in all situations. Number four, the wise person flees from sin, trusting God's assessment of what is good for them. Number five, the wise person gives to God in a way that shows him honor and trust. And finally, the wise person accepts God's discipline as good. 